Welcome to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Madeline Green. And I'm Caitlin Stansel. And we are joined by the amazing, great Carter Coyle. Hey, y'all. What's up? You didn't leave us um, for too long. I'm only like, <laughs> yeah. Only I one could, episode. I couldn't resist. I can't stand it. We'll just record always late at night after the baby's in bed. <laughs> and you have some big news to share with us. Yes. So one reason, I mean, I, my, I have a new job, the baby's now almost walking. So she keeps us busy, but also I'm having baby number two. I cannot believe that. Like, are you in shock? <laughs> um, it was a little bit of a surprise just cause I didn't think I could get pregnant very not quickly. So I'm super excited and it's a big blessing so the babies will be the babies. Cause I still call Maddie like a baby, even though she's yeah. 15 months, but she's, still a baby. she's almost 15 months. So the babies will be about 20, 21 months apart and new baby is born or is due on uh, July 27th, which is my husband's birthday. Oh my that's gosh. exciting. It was so meant to be. Cute. Yeah. So that's really fun. We were so, when the doctor told us the due date, we were like, no way. So, so was he excited too? Like, or was he in shock? He was in shock, but yes, we both immediately <laughs> went from shock to like, no, this is a blessing. We know so many people who struggle to get pregnant and like, we wanted to uh, have another baby this year. We were hoping they'd be about two years apart. So it, it's just always a, a little bit of surprise, even if you're wanting it and hoping for it. So, right. Right. That is awesome. Yeah. And so I know Maddie, a- like her sex was a surprise, but what about this baby? This baby, we decided to find out. And so we got our genetic, yeah, we got our (laughs) genetic results last week. All the, all the, you know, medical stuff is good. Genetics are fine. And the baby is a girl. Uh, Oh, Maddie's going to be so excited. Girls are so fun. And we have so many clothes, like, oh my God. Yeah. These 10 packed things of clothes that she has grown up. So I'm like, it would have been such a waste not to use them. I'm so excited. Okay. Yes, but are you going to awesome. name this one after me? Yes. Her <laughs> name is, we're going to also name her Madeline Caitlin. So we'll have to see Madeline. No, she, we're, we're not really sure we're throwing around a few names, but we know the middle name will be Francis after my mom. So I love that. Yeah. So thanks for letting me share. I'm super excited. I can't believe I'm going to be such a girl mom. Like I just, we both really thought it was a boy. So we are super excited. They always act like, you know, mom's intuition they can tell, but I feel like more or less I've met a lot of moms who are like, we thought it was definitely a boy and it was a girl (laughs) with Maddie. I had that more, but you know, did you really, it's 50, 50, 50, I, I definitely thought she was a girl the whole time, but um, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was still a little sick with this baby, but I've been better a lot quicker. It hasn't been as bad. So I guess I was just thinking, oh, it's, it's better. It must be, you know, a different gender, but no, nope, she's still just a little tiny girl nugget in there. That's so, so exciting. cute. Thank you. What are y'all talking about tonight? So for our story today, we're going to take a trip to Frankfurt, Kentucky. 
there is a place called Liberty Hall, and it was built by Senator John Brown in 1796, and it is a four-acre estate. It sits just above the Kentucky River, and it has gardens that kind of come down to the edge of the river. It's described as being an example of like an 18th century Georgian architecture. And it says that the structural plan of the mansion were designed and drawn up by Thomas Jefferson. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It said that Liberty Hall was built of fine made on site bricks and that the flooring and rafters and the framing were all made of hardwoods that had to dry for over two years. Building houses back then just took forever, apparently. People people think building houses and waiting on lumber now is a pain in the ass, but dang. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so Miss Brown, she desired to bring like this refinement type culture that she missed living on the East Coast. So she tried to bring that into Liberty Hall with windows made of glass, which I guess was something new at the time, (laughs) Um, mirrors, brass door handles with locks, silk fabrics, fine furniture from the East Coast, and lovely antiques from France were all brought down the river right to the backyard of where this Liberty Hall is. The Brown family lived at Liberty Hall until 1956. And that is when it was willed to become this living museum for Kentucky history. So you can take a tour of Liberty Hall and the tour guide kind of takes you around each floor of this mansion and that they say that the second floor is very creepy and that there are members of this volunteer group who give the tours that say that they do not like to go up there alone ever. And I don't know if it's because the second floor is actually being restored. So maybe it's kind of fluffing up these spirits while they're restoring you, waking them up. The wood floors have been wet for 75 years. (laughs) Yeah. Mold is growing everywhere. (laughs) And it says, you know, that the the property was eventually divided into two sections so that it was four acres, but they divided it into two sections, one for each surviving son the gardens are still all intact. And so there have been some history of manifestations in this house. The first one is of a lady named Miss Margaret Varick. And she was a frail, kind-hearted aunt of Miss Brown, who was there and raised Miss Brown when her mother died. So she was pretty much her mom in a sense. And when tragedy struck the Brown family in 1817, when one of their children died of an illness, Miss Varick was asked to kind of make the difficult journey from New York to Kentucky to be with Miss Brown and kind of give her comfort. Unfortunately, they say that for Miss Varick, the trip by coach and horseback proved to be very hard on her physically and that she was totally exhausted by the time she got there. And then she died of a heart attack in one of Liberty's (laughs) Hall's upstairs bedroom soon after she arrived. Well, she was already frail. Why are you going to put her on a horse? (laughs) But I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. It's sad. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. Yes. Because what the heck? And then, you know, it goes on to say that she couldn't be much comfort. Thank you for (laughs) clarifying that. (laughs) But yeah, so she didn't get to comfort her niece and help with the death of a child. But although Miss Varg was the first one to be buried in a small family plot in the outside gardens, somehow her whereabouts have been lost. 
Oh no. So she was buried on this land, but there was no marker set in place. When the entire family plot was moved to like a bigger cemetery in Frankfurt, obviously it further upset the spirit of Miss Varick because not only was she not able to help her niece during her time of bereavement or whatnot, she also now has been totally forgotten by her whole family. All those bodies have moved to a completely different place and nobody knows exactly where her resting place is on the property. They said that the the ghost of Miss Vark began to appear before the living a few years after her death. So shortly after she died, people said that they actually saw her. Um, She was seen by family members, visitors, and now staff that works there. And she's described as kind of a calm entity. She's really small in size and she's dressed in a gray house coat type thing. Um, and she's kind of been given the nick- nickname of Lady in Gray or Gray Lady. Mm. And her intent toward the living people that she sees is to be kind of helpful around the mansion. Um, she's been known to do some chores. Wow. She's very supportive. People feel kind of like a happy type feeling from her. Well, if um, she's going to do the dishwasher, I mean, of course, move yeah, right in. Definitely be happy. <laughs> And that her appearance has never actually frightened anyone or upset them. It says Miss Varick has appeared suddenly in almost every room in the mansion, which I find that interesting because she died so quickly after she was there. But it sounds like she was there for a lot of traumatic things. Right. During the restoration period of Liberty Hall, the curator took pictures documenting the process of work being done and that in one of those pictures you can see a faint image of a woman coming down the staircase and no one was living in the house so they consider that to be miss varick herself the same curator who got that picture of the gray lady on the staircase that i talked about actually found three antique early 1800s gold bracelets on a nightstand and it was right next to the bed in Miss Vark's old bedroom. What? And these bracelets were not listed on like an inventory list. No one had never seen them before. So they kind of take it as perhaps Miss Varick kind of gave them a gift to say thank you for restoring that second floor of the mansion. So that's oh. pretty cool. The other one is of an opera star from about 1805. A beautiful Spanish opera star was invited to Frankfurt to perform it in a concert. The Browns graciously invited her to come stay with them. And during the time of her stay in Frankfurt, they were being good hosts and they held a big party in her honor. And during that party, the singer went outside there to kind of take a quick walk around the gardens. And she was last seen walking down the garden path to the Kentucky River. And she never came back to the party after that what completely disappeared she vanished they did an extensive search of the property and the area around it they even like you know drug the river right there but nobody was ever found of this opera singer it was theorized that she quickly was abducted by native americans questionable or somebody else maybe who was walking by or was at the party and saw her and might have followed her out But that's the the thought that she was abducted throughout the years, a dark haired female apparition with her mouth frozen open in a soundless cry of horror 
has been seen running frantically through the gardens and especially on hot humid nights weird i wonder if they ever hear her singing opera music <laughs> with her frozen open in a soundless cry so she doesn't make <laughs> she's offering opera yeah scene. maybe that's what it is um there's also been an apparition of a soldier from the war of 1812 um, dressed in like a British uniform, he's been seen peeking in the ground floor windows to see who inside the hall's living room. And they've seen him on multiple occasions, always just kind of peering through the windows. Uh, nope. <laughs> Sorry, please That's a nope. do not. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back for to the helpful haunt lady. I yeah, want what's your choice lady. of the three? <laughs> I don't want ring lady, don't want creepy soldier. I'll take the helpful haunt lady. Yeah, I like the I like the opera singer because it's especially from like this <laughs> especially from like this time period to think of someone like leaving a party and never coming back. Yeah. Like, geez, this has been going on for years. Yeah. <laughs> this is nothing new. I told you it looked like a frat house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what is it about this place that attracts yeah serious things? Because it is a beautiful, exquisite the estate <laughs> yeah sprawling estate okay the haunted history is a bit brief this time but it kind of has to do with opera since um carter you said the opera singer was not your favorite <laughs> i'm gonna no, say I, madeline I, know, no. I just said i wouldn't choose to have her living in my house if i had to choose um but what's kind of cool about opera as a genre of art or music is that it kind of has this really strong connection to the otherworldly. Um, I was looking into this and I found this really great quote on an article from the travel channel. And it said with the intense passion, devotion, and sometimes pain that comes with art opera houses are a hotbed for paranormal activity. Obviously, that talks a little bit more about how so many opera houses across the country and world seem to be haunted with ghosts, but I thought that was kind of unique and special about this ghost at Liberty Hall. That's cool. Makes me think of the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. Perfect <Look>. example. <laughs> it seems that many opera composers seem to be believers in ghosts or kind of the otherworldly, and they really have this affinity for putting in the paranormal into their operas i was going to say musicals but it's not the right term um but some like mozart they've given ghosts their 15 minutes of fame on stage and then some other operas feature visits to hell or hades and there are others that have witches and even one that has a statue that comes to life so operas you know not only are they kind of like this really passionate art form which I think kind of connects them in a weird emotional sense to the paranormal just kind of like that sensitivity to energy and emotion I think also just the fact that so many opera composers explore kind of the paranormal side of our world I think really lends itself to spooky happenings right in line with that as well there are tons and tons of opera houses so not liberty hall not just a mansion but actual opera houses where these performances happen that are haunted today mm. that's that's very interesting yes and it's not just that they're haunted by like an opera singer 
Um, and I think we see this a lot too with just like theaters in general. There's one here in Charleston, the Dock Street Theater that has a ghost story connected to it. Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like a lot of times too, like, I mean, there is opera now as well, but I feel like it was more prevalent back in the day where there would be like more of a history to well, the theaters. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, this was a really kind of prime form of entertainment back then. So it's interesting that with so many, they decided to focus on the paranormal in a sense. Like they, so many of them have kind of these weird ghostly connections. I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool. I'm going to tell you though, about one of the most haunted opera houses in America and it's near Kentucky not quite there Ooh, interesting it's in Woodstock Illinois and it's called the Woodstock Opera House apparently you're gonna love this name they have a very active ghost named Elvira oh yeah that's a perfect ghost name right hey that's um when Nick because obviously Nick and I are talking about all kinds of names <laughs> please name her Elvira Elvira oh actually I think she went by Elvira and Wanda so oh. I'm like, hey, I respect you, love, love, <laughs> love your family history, but there is no way on this planet that I would name him Elvira. I would name him Elvira. Elvira is not bad. Wanda. Wanda, Wanda instantly makes me think of Marianne and Wanda. Right, are the, the best, best of friends. All through the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so actually, that work, that's family name. Because Elvira, you could call her L. Well, that's actually kind of cute. Ellie. Yeah, that's super cute. Vera. Yeah. But Vera. Here's the problem you're going to run into. Everyone's going to pronounce it Elvira at first. Exactly. They're never going to immediately go Elvira, you know? Yeah. So in class, it's always going to be Elvira. And then people are going to like think back to, is it is the it Adams, Adams family or Munsters? One of those? Yes. One of them. It's also a country. Anyway, song. that was the I just jacked. Elvira. <laughs> That's what <it> <laughs> Have you ever heard that song? The fact that you know that. <laughs> My heart is something. Elvira. <laughs> oh my gosh, she knows real lyrics song too. <laughs> She's like the girl. movie quote or song quote kind of person. Okay, so Elvira or Elvira, however you want to say it, she was this beautiful young ballet dancer and she was poised to be the lead in the theater's next production. Obviously a big deal, but of course she didn't get the part and she was devastated. Well, what does that lead to? She decided to climb up to the opera house's bell tower and she jumped. Mm. And now that's where she remains at the opera house. Yeah. And apparently she has a favorite spot to watch the performances that happen there now. She is picked. (laughs) That's a bit too far in the nosebleeds up there. (laughs) She has picked seat 113 (laughs) in the center of the balcony. She has a specific seat. What if you got that seat? She's going to kick you out. Take you up to the bell tower. (laughs) Not Okay. Um, it's said that guests regularly see this spring-loaded seat open on its own. And then, uh, like when an actress misses their mark or they sing out a key, loud sighs of exasperation could be heard from the balcony where 
Elvira sits. Can't you just like imagine that? <laughs> God, these animals. <sighs> I should have been the terrible. lead. <laughs> wow. That, that's been the lead. It's better than throwing fruit. Like it's just so passive aggressive. Just, oh, God, <laughs> they suck. But she does have kind of a more terrifying side to her. During auditions, the stairway to the clock tower is watched closely as many actresses fall in a trance and then they begin climbing the stairs, it's said. And to date, apparently numerous performers have had to be pulled down from the staircase. Ooh. So Elvira's not the kind of ghost you want to be friends with. Obviously not. No, good one. She's a little jealous. So our real life haunt today, if I can convince her to record with me. <laughs> oh, you have is, someone? I do. And her name is Betsy Green. Don't know if you guys Betsy, have heard of her. Betsy. Betsy. <laughs> she is my mother-in-law. Mother-in-love. Actually. Oh, Betsy. <laughs> of course she's going to talk. Yeah. Betsy. She is also a fellow former broadcaster and um she I was like I know you have to have a story she was like it's not really an exciting story and I was like we're not really here for like the excitement of it we just really like to hear about it haunted haunted things you know and she has this little ghost that she remembers from when she was little I believe she said at her parents house in Maryland and its name is Benji here's what she had to say about it I'm here with Betsy Green now to tell us a little bit about her ghostly experience with a little spirit named Benji. So I guess, when did you first notice Benji? Well, let me let me preface that a little bit, if I may. And thank you, Caitlin, for your interest in my little spirit delight. Um, I truly believe that spirits ghosts, if you will, um, energy surround us all. Um, I, I think that a lot of people never see, and I prefer to use the word spirit. I think a lot of people never see a spirit that may surround them because you really have to be open to it all. Botia is a word I devised decades ago. Have I ever shared that with you? B-O-T-I-A, be open to it all. So with that in mind, you've got to be open to seeing other realms on other levels that some people call ghostly sightings. Um, I was fortunate enough to see one many, many decades ago when I was about 12, I would say. In the neighborhood I grew up in, People had talked about this ghost um, named Benji. And isn't there a movie about a dog named Benji or something? I think it's bingo. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, so I grew up in in a fabulous neighborhood. And there was every type of, of religion, every type of person, every type of household, every type of nationality. And some people really believed in ghosts and spirits and the the talk of Benji had been in the neighborhood since as far back as I could remember. And while I never went looking for him, 
I probably said aloud once or twice, yo, Benji, what's shaking? (laughs) His bones. (laughs) (laughs) Rattle, rattle, rattle. So at any rate, um, the house I lived in had a very small hill in front of it and and a tree. And there was um, a thunderstorm. Of course, you know, weather has to be involved in any story I have, right? <laughs> Old weather casters never die. Um, and as the lightning was hitting, I walked out on the front porch, and as I looked at the bottom of the hill, I saw what I believed to be Benji. Now, it didn't scare me. It didn't alarm me. Um, and it didn't, look, it didn't look like a human figure. I couldn't see arms or legs, but there was the essence of a shadow, and it was white in color, yet it was iridescent and see-through at the same time. It's kind of hard to describe. And, of course, I thought I was imagining things, so I ran back in the house and called my brother, Denny, 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 you've got to come see. I think Benji's on the front lawn. No, that that wasn't happening. He he never did give me backup. He you know thought I was pulling his leg, but I went back outside shortly thereafter. I'm talking a minute or two, and the spirit was still there. It had moved a location a little bit closer to the tree trunk than it was before, but there it was. And I yelled out to him, Benji, is that you? And as I did that, he kind of just evaporated. And I never saw him again, but I've always thought of him. And I wonder, you know, you've got to wonder, is that, is that a relative from another life? Is that, who was that? And why did he show up on my front lawn in the middle of a thunderstorm? Did I invite him in the house? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he knew I was interested in him. And I don't know why I've always called him a he. And I feel like when you told me about Benji before, you referred to it as more like childlike. Yes, yes. It seemed, um, besides the figure was slight, it was it, it was very short. It was a small, um, it was a small vapor is a word that, that comes to mind. So I've often thought that perhaps it was a child. I don't know. Um, you said that the neighbors had talked about Benji before, what had they said about it? Well, some people were afraid. Some people, if if the name came up in the conversation, and, you know, we're all kids playing in the back alley. If the name came up in the conversation, they they left and ran home. Mommy, mommy, they're talking to scare me about the ghost. <laughs> um, the adults in the neighborhood didn't give it much energy, for lack of a better word. They didn't say yes or no or anything. But there were a group of us who said, look, if we ever see Benji, we're going to tell everybody what we see. So, of course, I told my friends what I saw, and none of them believed me. (laughs) You're just making that up. Do you remember if any of them ever saw Benji, like had their own experience? I I don't think so. If they did, I certainly never heard anything about it. And after that, after I saw Benji, the only other time I, I he came up in a conversation was when I was sneaking my first cigarette with Janice Weisberg under the hedges of her parents' back porch. <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> but um, I, no, never saw him again. Nobody. It just 
kind of died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and as a former weathercaster, obviously you've seen your fair share of fog and other kind of spooky things the weather can do on its own, but what convinced you that this had nothing to do with the weather? Well, of course, at 12 years old, I I knew nothing about, you know, meteorology. But I can tell you, because I still have it planted in my brain, what it looked like, what it felt like, um, the vibe that I got. This was not fog, and that conversation came up too. This was not mist. This was not fog. This was not because of the rain. But I often think it was because of that storm he showed himself. You just never know, but you got a bow to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for letting me join today. It was really fun. Well, Are you sure I you don't want to should... just like stay on full time? <laughs> yeah. We can work around okay. you. You can just pay me part-time. That's fine. <laughs> oh, wait. I don't get paid for any of this. Just kidding. <laughs> None no, of us do. Just let me know when you're recording. If I can hop on, I'll hop on. I, I, I'm going to miss it. I'm already so jealous. I know. We miss you. We only did one episode without you and it was just not the same. <laughs> so then the first chance we had to get you back on, here you are. Oh, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I can't <laughs> not let you. I took a whole break, a whole one episode break. Oh, well, hey, I'm here for y'all. I'm going to be listening out for stories and I'll hop back on whenever I find a good one. Awesome. And we want to hear from you guys too. So if you have a story, you can email it to us at the unrest podcast or check us out on Facebook. And our whole email address is (laughs) unrestpodcast at gmail.com. Unrest in peace.